what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halfsies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. This is To Dine For, the podcast. I'm your host, Kate Sullivan. Join me as we meet the world's most innovative and brilliant minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is one of the most inspiring people I've ever met, Eric Weinmayer. Yeah, this is not what a blind person should be doing with his life. <laughs> like, this is not the stuff I've read about blindness. He became the first blind man to ever summit Mount Everest. His journey to hike blind and then go on to hike all seven summits of the world is an incredible one. But it's just the beginning of why his story will change your life. Today, he takes me to his favorite restaurant, the Sherpa House in Golden, Colorado, to dine on veggie momos and mango lassis and sag paneer, and learn how to thrive in the midst of fear and uncertainty. Today, I'm in Golden, Colorado, on my way into a restaurant called the Sherpa House, known for the flavors of the Himalayan mountains. It's not just a restaurant, it's a cultural center. And once you meet the guest, you'll understand why he chose this as his favorite. Hi, Eric. Hi. How are you? How are you? Kate Sullivan. Okay, I'm yeah. going to give you a hug. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Oh, great to Thank meet you. Thank you. Awesome. Eric Weinmayer and his service dog, Yuri, meet me in Golden, Colorado, a town located just 40 minutes west of Denver, a town where those who love to hike feel right at home. In the heart of Golden is the Sherpa House. It is not just a restaurant. It's an experience with the goal of giving visitors a sense of what it's like to really live on top of the world with the Sherpa. The authentic Himalayan dishes with a mix of Asian and Indian influences are designed to take your taste buds on a culinary journey. And it is the perfect place to sit down and have a meal with a true visionary, an expert mountaineer, and one of the most sought-after speakers in the world, Eric Weinmayer. So this restaurant really is the beginning of your story. Uh, I should have been born Nepalese, I guess, because <laughs> I could eat rice and uh, sog and paneer and things like that, like 
every day of my life. But also I love the fact that Lachba and his family came here, um, sponsored by an American family, worked his butt off, built this restaurant. He's, you know, one of the most successful entrepreneurs in this whole area. And I think it represents an incredible, like, American dream the way you hope it, it is. Lakpa Sherpa opened the Sherpa House in 2009 with the goal of exposing America to the Sherpa culture. The restaurant replicates a typical Sherpa house with a living room, kitchen, shrine room, and gallery room. The Sherpa are an ethnic group of people native to the Kumu region of Nepal. They are born mountaineers and are famous for helping thrill-seekers from around the world climb up their backyard, Mount Everest. Himalayan culture means so much for me and my family uh, because uh, uh, our culture is basically taking care of people in the mountain, the Sherpa people. We love taking care of people and the climbers and trekkers. And uh, for us, just uh, taking care of people and helping others has just become part of our culture. Today, we're starting with mango lassi. It's like a yogurt milkshake. Eric swears by it. For an appetizer, we're having veggie momos, which are vegetable dumplings served with a fresh tomato sauce. Eric's favorite dish is sag paneer. It's another vegetarian plate with spiced spinach, homemade cheese, and a touch of cream. The food, as I learned, is just the beginning. Coming here is like being transported to the Himalayas. The cook that are working inside the Sherpa house, uh, they are accomplished mountaineers. And uh, one of the cook is, uh, his name is Danuru Sherpa. He's climbed Everest 16 times. And then the other cook's name is Mingma Tenzing Sherpa. He's climbed uh, 11 times. And then we also have another person, Tashi Sherpa. He's also climbed uh, 12 times on Everest. And altogether uh, in the house, we have about 56 summits uh, on the Everest right here in the Sherpa house. From the minute we walk in, it's obvious Eric is a regular. Hey, Eric. It's good to see you, man. Hey. Yeah. Everyone here knows his story and that adventure is in his blood. He became a Time magazine cover story when he became the first blind man to reach the top of Mount Everest. But that is just the beginning of all that Eric has accomplished. Born in 1968 in Princeton, New Jersey, Eric grew up in Connecticut. His mom, Ellen, was a world traveler, collecting artifacts and selling them in her store. His dad, Ed, a Marine fighter pilot who became a successful businessman. So when, when, when people ask you to begin to tell your story, I'm sure the first thing they ask is, were you born blind or did you become blind later in life? Yeah. And it's, what is the answer? I guess it depends on your definition of blind. So I was born legally blind, uh -huh. meaning from 20 feet, I could see what a normal person saw from 200 feet. Okay. So I had very limited vision, but I could see well enough to walk around and uh, ride, ride a bike and, you know, run around and try to keep up with my friends, but I couldn't see that well. And then it got progressively worse, especially through middle school. And uh, I think it was actually a week before my freshman year in high school that I went totally blind. And what was that like? What was that first week like? It's... Uh, it's a period I, it's hard to even think about because you're so overwhelmed, you know, you're so uh, back against the wall, you know, you're, you're not really thinking, you're just surviving, you're just kind of trying to exist. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, it took a while before I was able to kind of 
understand that it wasn't like a death sentence or it wasn't um, like a brick wall that, you know, just I'd never be able to get through. But it was kind of a new experience that I had to figure out the parameters of how to to push the envelope. The year after you became blind, your mother passed away in a car accident. Yeah. So you had a very traumatic high school experience. It's not something I'd wish on anyone, but a lot of world has trauma, you know, that they have to kind of mm, kind of climb their way out of, you know. So, yeah, I think a lot of my life has been sort of figuring out how to help people climb out of these situations where they're in these places they don't want to be there and it's 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 in a way it's been a good learning experience. Yeah. Oh. What is this? Mango lassi? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Is. Let's try it. Yeah. Mango lassi. Mango lassi, yeah. You can get them like banana, you can oh, get all kinds delicious. of different flavors, but my favorite's mango. Oh, it's great. Faced with a daunting task, Eric's father took an unconventional approach to raising a blind child, keeping him enrolled in a traditional high school and pushing him into the sighted world in ways most parents would never do. My dad would drive me up to this recreational program and we would go out like canoeing and tandem biking and one weekend they took us climbing. And I loved climbing. Rock climbing to me was it because I could use my hands and my feet mm. and I could feel my way up the rock face mm -hmm. and problem solve. And it was fully engaging and just beautiful, like all the smells and mm -hmm. textures of the rock. And, and then I got up high and I remember hearing the sound, you know, blind people use um, what's called echolocation. You know, like I can hear this wall here mm. and the ceiling, you know. And so I could hear over the valley and it was just so beautiful. And I thought this is different from what I thought blindness would be like. Um, so I know that that was a thread that just kept building in my life. Eric graduated from Boston College and got a job as a middle school teacher in Phoenix. It's there he met his wife, a fellow teacher who reignited his love of climbing. And we started climbing rocks all around mm -hmm. Arizona. and. One day he said, hey, we should try something bigger. And I thought, well, what, like what? And he said, how about Denali? And I was like, well, that's a big leap, you know? <laughs> that's a 20,000 foot mountain in Alaska. So anyway, I got intrigued by that. And a year and a half later, we stood on the top of Denali. Really, that was for me the, the beginning of wanting to climb the Seven Summits, the tallest mountain in every continent. After you do Denali, are you thinking, well, maybe why not Mount Everest? I thought I just want to continue climbing, you know, so I I went to Aconcagua, the tallest peak in South America, took two tries to get up that, um, went to Kilimanjaro. My wife and I actually got married on Kilimanjaro. Mm -hmm. And so that was a climb and a wedding and a honeymoon. So oh, that was amazing. Really cool. Yeah. My wife said I'd never really dreamed of like white picket fences. I dreamed of uh, having a life of adventure. So oh. she got it. Yeah, she certainly did. <laughs> what is veggie this? Momos. Ooh, yeah. Veggie momos. Veggie momos. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. you know, in Nepal, traditionally, they don't use silverware. They don't? Mm -hmm. They use their hands. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we could do that today. So, yeah, I'm up for that. For I might use a spoon okay. and a fork, but uh, the idea of it's kind of cool. Well, I will follow your lead. How's that? Okay, so you're, you're really developing this huge love of hiking. And at some point you make the decision to tackle Mount Everest. Yeah. Where does that come from? Well, I'd been climbing a bunch and I was probably like in my late 20s, I guess, before I really started thinking maybe this is real. But you know, you're always thinking, 
uh, probably most people I'm probably similar to, you know, half of you wants to dream and do this big thing and half of you is like, what are you, crazy? Terrifying. You know, like, yeah, this is not what a blind person should be doing with his life. <laughs> like, this is not the stuff I've read about blindness. So that was probably a year of just like telling myself, could I do this? No, I can't do this. Can I do this? You know, and you got to build up to it and then you got to speak it out loud. And I remember speaking it out loud for the first time. It was like really scary. After years of thinking it over, Eric meets a climber at a party, Pasquale Scaturo. Crossing paths with this man changes everything. He's like, dude, I've heard you want to climb Everest. And I'm like, yeah, dude. And he's like, dude, you want me to lead your team? I said, yeah, dude. So that was it. The commitment was made. Yeah, it was it. It was like 30 seconds. With a 13-person team, they set out on the three-month climb up 29,000 feet to the world's tallest peak. Eric became the first blind person to reach the summit of Mount Everest. You're hiking Mount Everest. Take me to the most difficult day of the climb? Well, when you get to base camp, you're at almost, you're at almost 18,000 feet. Wow. So you're like, you know, barely able to breathe and you're like, oh my God, this, this is the, just the start. Yeah, actually above 18,000 feet, they call it affectionately the, the death zone. So <laughs> <laughs> makes you want to go climbing. Here, Great. Fantastic. So please tell us what we're eating. Yeah, so this is a sog spinach. We're eating sog paneer, which is spiced spinach and homemade cheese and a little bit of cream. Chana masala is chickpeas with fresh ginger and a light curry sauce. I'm going to actually reach around here and get some of this spinach. Yeah, that stuff's really good. Oh, it looks amazing. There's a lot of crossover in Indian Nepalese food. Well, you have the influence from China, you have the influence from India, you have just, you know, basically mountain comfort food. Yeah, right. right? Uh-huh. Eric says hiking while blind is a combination of courage and skill, being prepared and trusting the team. Without the 13-person team, Eric could never have made this climb. Every step and overcoming every obstacle was made possible by a team who literally became his eyes. I think sometimes my brain has tried to sabotage me. Do you mean that your brain has tried to make you risk averse? That has tried exactly. to keep you safe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to you, that sabotage? Fear is a good thing in a way because it keeps you alive, right? Right. So it can be a really healthy thing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's a fear not necessarily based on the reality of the circumstances because when I'm up on Everest or I'm kayaking or something like that. I have an amazing team around me. I've trained for six years. Um, I'm as fit as I can be. Uh, I put the time in. Well, of course you have to be bold a little bit, but you're minimizing the risk. And, um, but your brain still sometimes uh, just sort of gets irrational. Sure, so sure. I, you, you make the summit. There is this moment of realization that you did it. Yeah. What was that like? We'll have more on his answer in just a minute. But first, To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. 
There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. You, you make the summit. There is this moment of realization that you did it. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's in a way your, your brain can't really believe it's true, you know, because you, I, when I was a, a kid, like, and I'd just gone blind, um, my braille teacher was trying to get me to learn braille and I didn't want anything to do with this stupid thing of reading with your fingers, you know, like that's for blind people. And I didn't want to be blind. Uh, standing on top of Everest, definitely I had this crazy uh, realization like that I'd come a long way. Pasquale, our team leader, we got down through the ice fall that last time and he pulled me aside and he said, uh, he said, Eric, don't let Everest be the greatest thing you ever do. And, you know, I thought, Peavy, that's terrible timing. Like, <laughs> you know, let me come home and eat some momos and drink some mango lassies and like relax with my kids. And like, what are you talking about? Like, what could you do after this? It was this challenge posed to Eric after just completing the greatest triumph of his life that became a pivotal moment. It was here that he began the journey to create an organization that would change thousands of lives. It took me a long time to figure out what he was saying, but what I think he was saying was that whether you have failures or accomplishments in life, those things get memorialized in your life. You know, they become kind of the thing that you hang yourself on, you hang your hat on, you know, like, like climb Everest and you put your trophies up and you hang your pictures and it's like, okay, I did that and I'm done. Or, or even to say like, okay, now I have to do something harder or scarier, you know, or riskier. I think that's a bad way to go. I think what he was saying was like, use these experiences as a catalyst to grow and to go to new places in your life. And you, you kind of have no idea where, you're, where, where that place is that you're going, but it's like a wave, you just gotta ride it and you gotta use these experiences as energy to propel you forward. And uh, that, that just to me was like such genius. The advice came at the exact right time. Eric quit his teaching job and turned the page to the next chapter, co-founding a nonprofit called No Barriers. And so after Everest, I was getting all these 
requests like, hey, you know, I'm going to, I got this incredible thing. It's going to be your next project. And um, I'm going to shoot you out of a cannon and you're going to fly <laughs> through the air and over a pit of crocodiles. And so I realized quickly that I didn't want to be like the poster boy for like blind evil canibalism. Mm. <laughs> I, you know, these adventures have to mean something. Mm. Experiences that have meaning, that have value in terms of one, helping others, and two, kind of helping myself to grow and learn along the way. Uh, that I just, I didn't want to do things that I could, that I didn't care about. No Barriers is not just an organization, it is a movement that pushes people from all backgrounds, some disabled physically, some disabled mentally, to live a no barriers life. What does that mean? It is a life that acknowledges the disabilities in all of our lives and then works to use optimism, grit, perseverance, and faith to move beyond them and overcome them. The No Barriers journey looks different for every person. The tagline is, what's within you is stronger than what's in your way. We help people break through barriers in their lives, people with challenges, physical and emotional challenges. And uh, next year, we'll impact 20,000 people. Wow. Um, and and, and of not just people who are disabled, but people who are veterans, people who have any sort of limitation, whether it's a psychological mindset or whether it's a physical barrier, right? You yeah. Do, you the do. physical stuff sometimes is almost the easy stuff. Really? Yeah. You know, when your fears and your anxieties and your addictions and the self-sabotaging behaviors, all that stuff just cripples you. So, um, so yeah, most of our community, at least half, are people with emotional or invisible barriers. And in that way, I think we're all part of the same club. You know, we all have something that gets in our way. And I think it just was like this huge revelation to me. Like, I was lucky. Being blind, I had great parents. But imagine you have nobody to show you the map of life. There's nobody to mentor you. You are just in such a tougher place. Right. So we work with kids in the foster care system, um, first-generation Americans. We collect the team. They build the team. We learn what a team is, how you rely on each other, how you trust each other. You go through a big experience with some adversity, and you have an accomplishment together, and along the way, you really reboot. You really talk about what this life means that we want to achieve. And what does that map look like? What are the elements that exist along the way that we really have to understand to, to change our mindset? And um, people come out of these experiences and we have them take a no barriers pledge, which is like your commitment statement to change and grow. Yeah. It's cool to see that transformation in people and know that transformation does exist. This is still difficult for you. This is still a day by day struggle for you. It is, because we all have sh shortfalls, you know, like, um, we, we, nobody's perfect, you know, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm like such a work in progress. Mm -hmm. I think it's your vulnerability and your ability to, to be frank about that, that is probably the most impactful to the people that go to your summits, because this isn't a raw, raw, it's going to be better. It's, yeah, it's not a motivational poster. Yeah, uh -huh. it's going to be hard, but yeah. you can do it. Life is not a no motivational poster. 
The Sherpa House gave me a glimpse into what Eric loves about his adventures in Nepal. But I want to talk more about his daily life. And there's no better place than in his element, the great outdoors of Golden, Colorado. But you can hear back there, there's a rapid back there. That's kind of fun. Uh-huh. What do you wish people knew about non-sighted people? Or what would you like them to know about what it's like being blind that they may not know? So my challenges are specific to me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's frustration, you know, in terms of like, okay, how am I gonna match my clothes? And right. <laughs> how am I gonna match my socks? Sure. And sometimes there are doors that are closed in your face mm-hmm. and those get hard because yeah. you don't know what to do when like, you're like, there's nothing I can do to get through this wall. Right. I tried to get a job one time in college and I was just thinking, what's a summer job I could do? Like, maybe I'll be a dishwasher. Like, mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who are washing dishes at restaurants. And I went to every restaurant in town and they're like, oh, we'd like to hire you, but our kitchen's too big. Mm-hmm. You'd get lost. You wouldn't know where to put things away. And another guy was like, well, our kitchen's too small. You'd bump into things. <laughs> and the third one was like, yeah, our pots are really hot. You know, we'd hire you, but there's a liability. You know, you'd burn yourself. So all those little kind of microaggressions, all those little obstacles, all those little no's that you received along the way, are they helping you do the work that you're doing now with no barriers? Yeah, because you realize that like when there are doors in your face and the growth that I want for say no barriers or doors in your face on a mountain, that there's ways around them and through them. You just, you know, get mad and then figure out a way forward. Yeah. This vet, one vet came and he told me, he said, uh, I, once I lost my leg, I felt like a zebra around horses and I'm just, I never fit in. Mm. And, and I came to no barriers and I'm looking around, it's all zebras. Well, it's so funny, you've mentioned when we've been talking about doing some of these summits and hiking, that they're beautiful. Is it because of the sounds? How I experience the world now as a blind person in terms of sound, this rapid right here is beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. The kids' voices over here and the yeah. smells, right? Yeah. Right now it smells like flowers. It's beautiful, like springtime. Yes. Like, so, um, so often we associate beauty or something beautiful with the visual, but we don't realize that there's so much beauty in the other senses that we're maybe even failing to hear and see the sighted person. Well, your eyes are really powerful. You see beautiful things and it's really stunning and I don't have that. So you got to figure out other ways of connecting and experiencing. And right. I remember taking my glove off and on ice climb one time and running my hand down this trunk of ice that just sort of dropped away into space and like just getting goosebumps, how beautiful it was. So yeah. there's a lot of things to touch and smell and taste and all that, Experience. You know. My afternoon with Eric was a powerful one. He can't see, but he is a visionary. He's scaled the seven summits of the world and has gained confidence because of that, but that hasn't made his life any easier. Easy isn't what he's looking for. Easy didn't get him to the top of Mount Everest. Easy didn't get him to navigate the rapids of the Colorado River. Eric Weinmayer is a profile in courage, fueled by a deep hunger to not only show the world what's possible, but more importantly, to show himself that nothing, nothing, no barrier can stop the human spirit.
what would you do if you really believed life had no limits? Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefortwithkatesullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.